You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by the passionate podcasting extraordinaire, Rhea Carrigan. Now, if you haven't heard from Rhea before, she is on the feed of Comics in Motion for the most part. She was on the Mouse Book Club episode I did. She's also got her show Pop Gorillas that she does with Tony and Jack. She's also appeared in Season's Greetings, and she also has got another show brewing as well. In addition to that, she does appear occasionally on Indie Comics Spotlight too, so she's all over the place. And much like her podcasting appearances, this conversation goes here, there, and everywhere. Um, I must pre-warn and say there's a slight trigger warning in here because uh, depression and suicide is discussed. Rhea is very open about her struggles with it. And so if anyone has any issues with that, this is your kind of warning. We don't get into horrendous graphic detail and we only speak about it for a few minutes and things, but I want to flag that just in case. Aside from that, we speak about, as I said, a wide variety of things. We talk about some of the websites that Rhea's husband has made, uh, including Rhea's Questions, which I've included a link to in the description, which is a lot of fun. Um, we also talk about communication, uh, nerdy online communities, how Rhea got into podcasts, and that sort of general thing. Now, this was a nice long conversation, so this is just part one. Part two of the conversation will be out next week at the same time. But if you can't wait for that, and if you want to support the show, for as little as £1 a month, you can get access to full, unsplit episodes of Genuine Chit Chat if you go to patreon.com slash genuinechitschat. Uh, in addition to full, unsplit episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, you also get the Afterthoughts episodes that me and Megan released exclusively on Patreon about once a week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, on there, I sometimes do comic reviews, but also me and Megan do TV reviews, movie reviews, that kind of thing and we review new movies that are spoiler free and each episode is only like 10 to 20 minutes long so they're really easy to digest there's not much else to add here guys or i will just be rambling so really hope you guys enjoy this conversation make sure you reach out to ria on twitter she is absolutely lovely and uh, i'll be back at the end of this conversation to give you info on what's coming up in part two and a few other bits and pieces i've been involved with so uh, without further ado here is ria carrigan Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be bringing up the fact, I'm, I've pressed record already. I got rid of the scary woman Zoom voice as well. So I sneakily, oh, nice. yeah, I, I, on the odd occasion, early days, I would, if I'm talking to someone, especially if they're in my house or something, I would just be talking with them and then press record and not tell them. And then after like five, 10 minutes, I'd like, by the way, we're recording. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I shouldn't have said those things. Um, but aside from that, yes, I am here today with Rhea. Rhea, it's wonderful to have you on the show. We spoke once before, and that was in the joyous uh, Mouse Comics Emotion Book Club number two. Um, amazing conversation, wonderful contributions, very, very dark subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> so this will be a little bit more lighthearted than, you know, a Holocaust, so. which, yeah, we hope. There's not many podcasts I think I could do that are any darker than the Holocaust. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, I want to ask from you, ask from you, words, I want to ask you, when did you actually first hear a podcast? That, that's where we'll start, because I'm always interested at, like, people's origin stories, in air quotes, for where they ever first heard one, so... The floor is yours. So I guess the first, my first proper understanding of podcasts was, I mean, years and years ago, maybe 15 or so years ago, when a wonderful lady I worked with called Joe Bevan at the time, now called Joe Ball, uh, hopefully it's okay to out her to the world. Um, <laughs> Name dropping. She, yeah, she was an amazing radio producer at a place I used to work. So she um, would work on... Uh, sort of putting together adverts and marketing 
for government agencies and government departments. And I started working with her in internal communications. And she was basically like, I want to do a podcast for for you um, about our staff. So off we pop, we're going to go and do it. So I started learning from her about what podcasts were what podcasts are and she introduced me to listening to radio that wasn't music so talk radio or produced radio and so it always been there in the back of my head that there is an amazing audio adventure out there for me but it wasn't until absolute cliche um serial mm. that I properly started listening to podcasts I sort of sort of listened to stuff beforehand like women's hour stuff like that but sort of on a more sort of ad hoc basis. And then Serial came out. And as with everybody, I just listened to the whole thing. Um, and that opened up podcasts, all different podcasts. I listen to podcasts nearly every day, um, whenever I can. If I'm leaving the house to go on a five-minute walk, it's headphones in, podcast in. Um, I listen to all different types of ones. Obviously, I veer towards ones, which I know I'm definitely going to be like, so about film, TV, Buffy, um all of those sort of things they've gone off crime podcasts a little bit I think it's a bit oversaturated mm. um and I think comedy podcasts have gone the same way and with comedians just into inter- interviewing the other same comedians mm. and things like that so I find that a bit uh it's not it's not the most fun thing to listen to anymore because you've listened to it all before yeah. but yeah I just it's definitely I'm one of those annoying people that are, have you listened to this podcast <laughs> And people are just like, we don't listen to as many podcasts. Oh, my God, I've got a podcast recommendation. What recommendation do you have? And they'll be like, my, oh, my dad wrote a poem. I'm like, yeah, it's great. But everybody listens to my dad write a poem. I said, have you got something else for me? Um, so I just annoy everybody. Uh, my my husband, Kevin, has a thing where he'll just come up to me and go, podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> and like, just like walk off or just not say anything else just to mock me. Um so, yeah, I think it's such a fantastic medium. And I love that you can get sort of, you know, there's a different, you know, you get everyday chats with people, you get people who are really into a subject, but you also get sort of um, fiction podcasts as mm, well. I, yeah. I love that that it encapsulates everything mm. and you can listen to it anywhere. And you can just, it is for me just a get up and go type thing, or which blows a lot of people's minds. I can listen to a podcast whilst working. Yeah. And I work in communications, so I do a lot of writing, um, a lot of thinking about writing, but also like producing imagery and stuff like that. And it really blows people's minds that I can write whilst listening to people talking, mm. whereas I weirdly can separate those two things. So my, I can listen to a podcast, although if it's a really good podcast, I end up not doing my work. <laughs> I always do my work. <laughs> Any potential and current employers out there? <laughs> In years down, years down yeah. the line, this comes up and it, it, they use this yeah. podcast. It's like, well, hmm, well, 10 years ago, you said in a podcast that you actually listen to podcasts and don't do work. Well, this isn't going to bode very well for you. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, well, on my CV, send it out to people. <laughs> just put like, the link to the to this podcast on your yeah. CV and that'll be it. <laughs> just the full on like Spotify link or something. Um, but it's funny with podcasts because I, I can't listen to podcasts while working generally it kind of depends what i'm doing i've got like Mm -hmm. i work in insurance and so it's like i'm in claims so there's certain emails you get which are just like you know here's an update the third party's injury reserve has been increased by x amount okay save that to file increase blah move the diary on so they're things where i can 
sometimes listen to a podcast, normally if it's a movie podcast or something, and I'm working from home, which I do twice a week. And I can do that sort of thing. But if it's typing out an email and properly and explaining something, I, I can't do it. And yeah, if it's a really good podcast, I do get distracted. So I'm, I'm more Ooh. of a listening to music person when I work and then podcast if I'm doing chores or driving, those sort of things. Ooh. And obviously we spoke uh, on Discord and stuff. We had the little back and forth about music and whatnot. So is your partner more into music and podcasts is like secondary and you're kind of the opposite uh i mean he's he doesn't really have any time for podcasts Mm. he'll pick up one and listen to one for a little bit but he is all music and his music i've talked to you about this his music taste is across everything it's madness i've never met anybody maybe actually you who listens (laughs) to such a diverse range of music um although at the moment i'm I'm enjoying, let's say, I'm enjoying some of it, some death metal, Mm. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what everything's called. He just turns around and tells me. I'll occasionally go like, oh, I like this song. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's this thing. And they do this thing. It's post-death metal rock synthesizers or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Imagine post-hardcore. And and I'm like, yeah, oh, I love post-hardcore. I'm I'm never going to listen to that again, but thank you. But yeah, he's music. <laughs> and now I'm only ever really introduced into new music by him because I don't listen to I so if it's the age-old story, right? So the question is if you could lose your sight or lose your hearing, what would you have? And I would always lose my hearing because then I can still watch film and TV, I can still read, mm-hmm. um, I can still see pretty pictures, and they're the things that I most connect with. Whereas for him, it'd be like he would go blind so that he could hear music because that's what he connects with most oh that's interesting yeah i've thought about that before i'd get rid of my hearing in an instant like i can't yeah the thing is with me is that although although i love podcasting and podcasting is like my passion and my hobby and things i could find life in general is so much easier like if you're deaf it's difficult communicating with people and there's a there's a degree of safety where you can't hear stuff but aside from that you can really live a very normal life or at least and it's much easier to live a life without as much assistance. Whereas if you're blind, you know, if you're like proper, full on, no sight at all, then maybe you don't need constant care if you can take care of yourself. But the adjustment is hugely different. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't do certain things anymore. Whereas if you're deaf, you lose a certain aspect of things. But realistically, with most visual mediums that have audio, you can have subtitles. So for me, it's like, oh, I can still watch film. You know, I can still watch TV series. I can still see my loved ones. I can still, you know, mm. do relatively like with my job, you know, I won't be able to pick up the phone, but I'd be able to still be able to do emails and data stuff. Whereas if I couldn't see, that would just be like almost everything. I could, in theory, I could almost do my Star Wars podcast still if I just looked at the, the, the up and beats and things of audacity. Like I can kind of, I know what an um looks like. So I'm, I might, <laughs> please, if there's a God, please don't test me on this. <laughs> Potentially I could do a bit of audio editing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I love that you thought you, you were so lovely about that. You were like, you know, oh, I would still be able to see my loved ones and all of these things. And I'm like, I can't watch a film. <laughs> like. Yeah, but you've already got your loved ones. This is like, aside from like <laughs> Megan, you know, she's is my Megan and the the future. Like, because with me, if I lost my sight now and had kids, I'd never be able to see my children. Yeah, whereas God, imagine. Yeah, so whereas you've, I mean, it's not. It would still suck you not be able to see your kids grow up. But it's like, you know, at least you've you've you're one child. If you don't be asking personal yes, questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like at least you've seen them. I suppose. Yes, yeah. So it's kind oh, yeah of... That must be horrific. I couldn't imagine that. I mean, you know, I mean, I 
can't speak for blind people, but yeah, I mean, her little face is my most favorite face in the whole entire world mm. and not being able to see that. And at least if I went blind now, this has gone quite dark. <laughs> um, at least I'll be able to remember like her happy little three-year-old face. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Cause I've had two blind individuals on my podcast, uh, Maxwell Ivy, who, be- who went blind, I think around the age of 17, he wasn't blind at all. And he just mm. got worse. And then there's Goff who's been on loads of times golf of beer nuts productions and he was um i think he had a, an injection um i think it was a, a shot or something for meningitis or something and it really reacted badly with him so he lost like i think it's not like 80 percent of sight in one eye and wow. 17 the other or something like that he explained it on one of the podcasts of mine he was on and it's like he can just about see things like right in front of him and he Ooh. wears glasses and this he needed assistance when he was younger um to kind of get around but he can generally do most things you know get around by himself in essence he can still watch movies he just has to you know be quite close and things like that so it's, it's one of those things where it kind of it does depend on the level of blindness. It depends where you are in your life when you, yeah. if uh, you became blind. But yeah, my, my biggest fear is losing, like if I lost my hearing, it'd be awful, but my, it's like my eyes, I'm so protective. Like I'd, I yeah. think I'd rather lose both my arms than my eyes, really. Yeah. I think I'd almost, I think I'd probably lose all my limbs over my eyes, if I'm honest. I think, I think I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like, there's certain things you can't do. It, it, I mean, excluding, you know, being able to have... um prosthetic limbs and those sorts of things you know you can still do the like I'm, I'm a people person so it's like i can still talk to people i can still hang out yeah. with people you know i can't go on a run but I, I could be there when people are walking down the shore or something but if i haven't haven't got my sight yeah that's a that's a big thing but we said we wouldn't talk about dark things like we're talking <laughs> about mouse and we've gone down blindness so we're pretty, pretty pretty quick off the off the starting line to how dark can this go talk about not being I mean obscene. I can talk about my postnatal depression when I try to kill myself if you want I me mean, to I mean those are always fun conversations <laughs> I've had people speak about that on my podcast I have friends who've suffered with those things Truly so it's che- cheer us all up oh yeah it's always good you know suicide blindness the holocaust I mean what's funnier than that you know nothing I mean if you see Jimmy Carr live he does joke about almost all those things and he is an artist in certain ways but let's let's pivot okay we can can come back to the depression that's it's always fun to talk about that um I want to ask um actually about one of your websites um or the only website of yours I know of which is Ria's questions um so if anyone doesn't know I'll include a link in the description it's just riasquestions.com isn't it yeah, I, I think so, or, yeah. Oh, or God, Kevin's going to kill me. I always get confused. Com. Yeah, I think it would be. And it's literally just your little face with a speech bubble on a question, and then you click your face, and the question changes. And it's just, like, in, I like it, and I went and it was fun, but what the fuck, where did that come from? Why did you make it? Why does it exist? Like, of all the websites that are kooky in the world, it's it's pretty up there, let's be honest. So my other half, Kevin, he makes websites. Mm. He's a computer developer programmer and he often makes lots of little random websites. He's got one which is about what colour hoodie he is wearing that day. (laughs) He updates it daily Um, and people are obsessed with it. So he puts it on his CV or whatever and he goes to jobs and it's one of the first things people ask about in interviews. They're absolutely obsessed with it. It's hilarious. No idea why. It's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. I love, and I love it. I'm like, did they ask about the hoodie website? He's like, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whenever we'd get a new hoodie as well, we'd be like figuring out what colour it is and he'd upload it. Um, so he does lots of random things like that. And apparently, it's been, well, I mean, it's been made very obvious to me. I ask a lot of questions. I really like people and I love talking to people and I love listening to people, even though I'm here talking about myself. <laughs> um, 
And I just find myself asking questions. And I don't know why, but I'm genuinely interested in people's answers. So like just before we started doing this, Kevin was playing on his guitar. So he's learned ukulele. He's now learning guitar. And he was doing something. And I went, what's that? And he was like, are you actually interested? Of course you're interested. And then I just made him tell me for like 10 minutes what he was doing. Because I genuinely just like to listen to people talk. Maybe that's why I like podcasts. Um, and so apparently I asked lots of random questions. And so every time I'd ask a random question, whether it was like to Kevin or like in a friendship group that we have or in like a text conversation, he would just make a little note of it. And then one day he was like, oh, I just made you a little website. <laughs> just all your <laughs> random questions. Does it still get updated or has it just got the pool of questions now? So he updates it occasionally. So he just, I think he just adds things into notes and then we'll update it when he remembers. I think there's a couple upcoming. I don't know what they are. That's the fun surprise because he'll <laughs> upload and be like, I've put a new question and I have to refresh it. And just be like, did I ask that? Oh, great. What was everybody's answers? <laughs> It's one of those things. I love asking people questions, but I'm sure you feel like the reason I started my podcast was because the, the way um, the sort of elevator pitch for it was I, I love it when you ask someone uh, a question about something they're passionate about that they don't get to talk about that often. Yeah. And then you see their eyes light up and they're so excited. They can almost not get their words out. And they love like, I've got my friend Reese. He comes on the show um, every now and then. He was on my first episode and he was on my hundredth episode and a few in between. And he's like super into video games. And I, I used to be in college and stuff. And then podcasting took over and i don't have time for video games as much but like he he's so passionate about his pc and video games and that sort of stuff and he knows so much about it whenever i hang out with him i pretty much always just ask about games so i have a so i can have a peripheral knowledge of uh video games and things but just seeing how excited he gets about those things as well yeah. and so i'm sure you're the same you just love seeing people get excited about their own thing yeah anything like i would listen to anybody talk about anything if they're excited about it and if they want to talk about it i will just sit there and listen i'll endlessly ask questions apparently it's quite annoying um i think it's a wonderful trait <laughs> i think i'm delightful I, I, I just think people are interesting people are so interesting you never know where a conversation's going to go and i really like that and i would much rather have a weird conversation even if I don't know what the fuck somebody's talking about, or even if I'm uncomfortable with it, if somebody wants to talk about it. Um, and actually weirdly bringing that back to depression and suicide, when I, so I had postnatal depression undiagnosed for about six months, and then um, I made this like plan to kill myself. And luckily I saw it help straight away. And obviously Kevin was amazing and, and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. But for about a week afterwards, I didn't talk to anybody about it apart from Kevin. And it was so strange because I felt really different because I was like, I'm not openly talking about things. So I always openly talk about things. Um, and I wasn't getting anything back from people either. So the conversations just weren't going anywhere. So I'd be like meeting up with my friends who have kids or going to these parent baby groups and nothing was happening. And I was with, like, I'd gone to a baby group and I was talking to my friend and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go home afterwards. And she went, oh, okay. And I, and I just stopped. I was like, you know what? This is what happened to me last week. And I started talking to her about it. And she just sat and listened. And then she started talking about like a few years ago when she wasn't feeling great. And then I started talking to loads of other people. And they were like, oh, yeah, this this time when I had depression. Or it was this time when I tried to kill myself. Or, And, I, you know, I'm saying it in a very blasé way. But actually, the conversations were like that. Mm. And it was like so many people feel like this but don't talk about it or don't have somebody who's going to sit and listen 
you know, my friend, she she said, oh, God, I feel like that every day. And I was like, OK, you need to go and talk to a doctor. You need to go and speak, see a therapist, whatever you need to do. But I'll just sit here and listen if you want to. And I sat there for like an hour and a half and she just talked to me. And like that's not because I'm trying to be like, oh, I will sit and listen or anything like that. It's because I'm actually genuinely interested and she's telling me something and I am going to sit and listen. So that's what I mean. Like, even if it's sad things or depressing things or difficult things or things I don't agree with, I will I will just sit and listen. And I, I don't know. Some people think that's quite rare. I don't because I think I've got a really good group of people around me who do the same thing. I think we've got really good reciprocal relationships where we support each other and we understand the power of listening. Um, but I do find out from other people that I think that's not a normal thing. Mm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think part of it is kind of trust and vulnerability are two big things where th- th- sometimes I've noticed and I've tried to be more receptive as I've gotten older. Like I- I've got friends, male and female, who have tried to kill themselves. Um, one of my very early relationships, I had to stop the person. They'd oh, OD'd God. and oh, I had to go over their house and stop it all. So that was a quite a t- trying time in one of my first relationships and it's yeah. quite to the real world um, quite fast. So I-, I sympathize with that sort of regard. I personally have not suffered with uh, depression or suicidal thoughts in that realm. I just I know a lot of people I'm close to who have. And I think that when you see someone, sometimes they'll start telling you something. And even if it is, you know, uh, depressing or heavy and things like that, some people shy away and want to just change the subject and are just like oh i don't want to talk about that it makes me uncomfortable but what i try and do make me now i sound like i'm trying to conflate myself but like (laughs) when i try like when you see someone and you can kind of see them somewhat struggling with the words instead of trying to shy away i try and you know gently allow them to speak about those things because Mm. it's like uh, there's a family member of mine recently who was going through uh, issues in their relationship and they came around and stuff and spoke with me and Megan and it it wasn't I didn't know about the issues necessarily um, very much and then we talk about other stuff listening to music and chatting having dinner whatever and then they started talking about it and then you know it became very apparent that they really needed to talk about that stuff Mm. and maybe they didn't necessarily have other people they could talk about that sort of stuff with and i think that a lot of people a lot of people and this is funny coming from a podcast who has his own interview show but like a lot of people just wait for someone else to stop speaking so they can talk as opposed to actually listening or even knowing when you need to listen just so this other person can get it out and formulate their own feelings because like with feelings i've used this analogy on the podcast before but i like to think of human brains and thoughts like a lava lamp And every different thought is like a different color wax. And it's all kind of this big globbing mess. And when you speak about something, it comes out of the lava lamp. And because you have to formula, if you have to turn it into language to be able to convey what you're feeling to someone else, you in turn translate it to your, the other part of your brain. So you can actually understand how you're feeling. And that's what therapy is, isn't it? It's translating feelings into a language you understand so you can then actually look at it from a different perspective rather than going i've got this horrible mess in my head that i can't figure out but because you can't talk to anyone about it or if you're not writing it down you're not translating it so it just becomes confusing in a sense yeah absolutely love and great description of therapy i love therapy so i've been to therapy twice um 
And I just think it's the best thing. I think everybody should go to therapy. But that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Like genuinely, yeah. because I do, I, because, oh God, I don't really want to be talking about therapy because I'm not a therapy specialist or anything like that. But my personal experience is exactly what you said. So the two times I've been, one was I was suffering from a lot of anxiety um, on the cusp of depression, which manifested itself in not the best ways. So for example, I'd walk down the streets. This genuinely is what happened. I was walking down the street on my way to work. I used to walk to and from work. And I saw a woman, walk, just a normal woman, walking along with some coffee cups in her hand in one of those little trays. Mm. And I had to physically cross the street. Otherwise, I was going to smack it out of her hands for no apparent wow. reason. Wow. Like, and I just, and I had that thought. I had that intrusive thought, but I was going to act on it. Um, so I was like, okay. I think I'm a bit fucked up. <laughs> I need to go and talk to somebody. <laughs> and like ran, ran like the local helpline, NHS helpline. They're like, yeah, come in and have a chat. And what it did, you know, so obviously we explored lots of stuff around that, but a lot, lot of it is for me was around like not being able to control some different parts of my life with things that were happening. So it was manifesting itself in different ways. So how do I take myself out of that situation and go, why did I want to knock those coffee cups out of this woman's hand? So glad I didn't imagine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking awful. You know, and, and why did you want to do that? And it's not because I wanted to do that. It's because, oh, you know, like the day before I'd had a difficult difficult conversation I hadn't been able to process it and that conversation was on top of this other thing where I'm quite stressed so take myself out of it and identify those emotions and how do you then take that emotion from 10 down to a normal emotion emotional level at five Mm. and and you know doing it the other way when when you're depressed or not wanting to do anything how do you take that back to a five take it up to the middle and I think that has put me in good stead literally for the rest of my life I apply everything that I learned. So I did cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, and I apply everything I learned in that to now everything in life. I still have to relearn a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important with everything we have to relearn. Um, But it's, you know, it'll be like somebody sends me a shitty email at work and my immediate reaction is to get really angry. But actually, maybe they're having a shitty day. And yeah, they shouldn't be taking it out on me. But what am I helping by being grumpy about it and can I control the fact they've got a shitty attitude no so what do I do about it and you know it's mad for me that it took me 35 years to learn that Mm. and I think that even if you don't feel like you need to go to therapy and that's totally fine although everybody should go I think there are things in there that can make your life easier for you Mm -hmm. and that's fuck it we've only got one life I don't believe in anything outside of it, any mystical, mythical stuff. I've only got one life. I don't want to spend my life being angry, wanting to knock coffee cups out of people's hands. You know, I don't want to get wound up by little things. I want to sit and have conversations. I want to play computer games. I want to watch film. I want to listen to podcasts. I want to look at art. I want to hang out with my kid. I want to, on Saturday, to pretend to run around and be a dog and pick up a bone for her and shit like that. And she'd throw it for me. So degrading. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like, that's what I fucking want to do. I don't want to sit there freaking out about the fact that this I said this thing 10 years ago and I can't stop thinking about it. Like, I mean, although I love that for the cringe factor, I love thinking back to things that I've... Because I've had therapy, I can look back and go, oh, what a fucking dick you were, um, <laughs> and feel fine about it and love the cringe. But I think it puts you in such a healthy mind mindset for just your life and just getting on with it and not worrying about all these extra things that are going on that you can't control. It doesn't mean you can't sit there and go, the world's burning. You can just go, the world's burning, but I don't know, maybe I feel a bit better if I have a cup of water. 
and go and have your water. God, that's terrible step. Go have a drink of water. Well, I mean, being dehydrated is actually very, very bad for your health, both mental and physical. (laughs) So I'm always telling Megan to drink more water. I'm a water fiend. In all my podcasts, people are like, oh, I'm having some wine or I'm having a bit. And I'm like, water. Like, huzzah. The joys, you know, hydration. That's what it's like. I'm I'm the one who, whenever we're out drinking, I'm all like, I get water and then I get shit for it. And then the next morning, I'm not hungover and everyone else is. I went to a wedding on Saturday. And I was making sure I was drinking water. I was drinking Jack Daniels and Coke, vodka and Coke, ciders, um, chain-smoking cigarettes. What a mix, Jesus. I know. Not all in the same glass, separate drinks, because uh, that would be horrendous. Um, <laughs> but I, I can, apart from, I don't like gin, and I can't, oh. I can drink tequila if that's the only thing I'm drinking. But if I drink tequila and I'm already drunk, I'm gone, because I drank far too much on my oh, 21st birthday or something, and it's just fucked me over for life. Aside from that... I can drink basically anything. I can mix all drinks. So I'll, I'll, I'll just be like, oh, I kind of fancy rum now. Oh, I kind of fancy whiskey now. And, I'll, and I like most of it as well. I've been really getting into weird and wonderful things. It's not what the point of the conversation was. But <laughs> what did we even start talking about? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's where we are and where we're going. Um, but I was at this wedding and I was with Megan and lots of my friends and things. And we were all drinking. And we went to this uh, place and it was, a, it was a bowling club. So it was dirt cheap. It was a double vodka and Coke. It was like three quid. Like a double oh with, God, with a mixer what? as well. So it was literally like you'd go up, you buy like five people drinks and it would cost less than like 15 quid. And you're like, how is this possible? I don't understand. That's amazing. Like, it was great. Everyone was mullered. And I was, I was drunkish, but there was a buffet. So I was eating a lot as well. But we got home at like, because uh, we'd been the, the wedding thing the whole day. We got home, I think between 10 and 11. And Megan hadn't been drinking as much water as I had or eating as much food as I had. And so we got home and she basically just passed out on the bed. And I was like, no, you need to get out of your wedding clothes. We weren't going to get the dress, the nice dress that you wore all day. You need to wipe the makeup off and you need to brush your teeth. Like, if you do those things and have some water, oh, you can pass out. But then after that, she passed out. I finished editing my podcast. So I had a whole day of wedding. And oh then I gosh. got in and I the Star Wars podcast that got released with the guys from Star Wars Explained. I was editing that on Saturday night so that on Sunday instead of me having to edit podcasts and lose time with Megan I just stayed up late finished the editing for that so me and Megan would have the whole day and she was really rough I was fine I was so I was so okay I did editing when I got home so mad so yeah I'm I'm the water drinker I always get shit for it always and I always feel better I've almost never hung over and I, I mix loads of drinks. I'll have shots and people yeah, offering to me. Yeah, but you're also still young. Just you I'm wait. Not that I young. never used to be hungover. I'm not that young. I, I, I've like, been hungover. This is the problem. I, I sorry, had, I used to never be hungover. Sorry. I used to be. I've, I've had times where I'm really hungover before. When, when I hit probably 23, that's when I was like, oh, I'm not invincible. Okay. I've got to be more <laughs> responsible. So it, it hasn't been the whole time. Once I had one or two horrendous hangovers, I was like, I need to... I need to wind it back and start drinking more water. Um, but I was going to ask with, because uh, I've had friends um, who've been through CBT and things um, due to a matter of issues in their life. Is there anything specific that like, helped you? Like, I know some people, they have journaling. Some people was just talking about stuff. Like, was there any sort of thing that you specifically found was very helpful for you as an individual? Um, so <laughs> I think this says a lot about my personality, but I would get homework every week and I would go home and I'd do the homework properly. And so it'd be things like um, a situation where you felt out of control or upset, or even if, you know, felt too happy or or those sort of things and you'd write it down and then you would, you'd have to break it down by like, is this a normal, you know, is this an, an average style reaction or something? I'm not explaining this very well and go through and write it all down. Then you'd have to talk about it. 
And I found that doing the physical exercise of writing things down and she would be like, don't do it on your laptop. Don't do it whilst you're at work. Or if you're doing work, do it in your lunch break, take like five minutes out to sit and physically write it down on a piece of paper. Bring me that piece of paper. I felt that like that really helped because it was a process and I had to sit and think my thoughts. I wasn't getting distracted by going on Twitter or an email that would come in or anything like that. And by the end of my sessions, I didn't have to write it down anymore because it was all in my head. Hmm. So I would go in and she'd be like, what happened? I'd be like, oh, there's nothing on the paper. She's like, okay, well, tell me from your head what happened. And so because I didn't have to write it down anymore, I retrained my brain into that process of if I was having an extreme reaction or anything like that, then I could work it out without having to, I could work it out straight away. So I could like, what's I'm doing hand motions which isn't very helpful I could level out my emotions or my thinking especially if I was having intrusive thoughts straight away Mm. or at least identify them and I think genuinely think that's something that saved my life because when I was you know when I was having my postnatal depression and when I made this plan to kill myself um and that's literally what I did like I wrote out a note that I was going to send to our friends I was going to text it to our friends as I took the pills I was going to take whilst my husband and child were in a different room um I I wrote it out and I sat there and I'd counted out the pills and I was and I was something just from that from that therapy just clicked in my head and I was like I need to tell them because this is not this isn't fitting into the chart that Mm. I would write out and so I went through and I told him and I genuinely believe training my brain in that way I don't know if training is the right word but understanding my emotions understanding the brain my thought process and how the brain works saved my life Hmm. like and I and I think that's amazing and that's why I think therapy is really important because that's obviously really extreme but on just sort of the smaller scale I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed by things even if you're mentally really healthy and I don't know if that's the right term you know we we as individuals have so much pressures on our life in our lives you know whether you're a child whether you're a teenager in your 20s 30s 60s 70s wanting to retire there's always some sort of outside pressure and it's really important to notice them and protect yourself from them or at least go through the process of working through them and I think that would just make everybody a lot happier Mm. and it'd be a lot nicer to each other the older I've got all I want really is for people just to be nice like I'm so fed up of all this bullshit that's going on in the world where we're just being horrible to each other all the time. And I think that, again, the reason I want people to just sort of be nice and understanding and be in each other's shoes and not be snapping each other. And you know, I do all these things because I'm a human being. But, you know, I think just going and having a simple bit of therapy helps with all of that, mm. genuinely. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, no one's ever taught how to live life. You know, we're, no. we're in school, you're taught how to do you know, 70% of nonsense is not really very helpful for anyone. And then 30% is just vaguely functioning in the world, mainly using language, written language, and simple maths. Like, aside from those general basics, you know, th- there's no... I think the curriculum is slowly getting better. You know, there are still there's still a long way to go because, you know, Megan's a teacher and things, and I've got friends who are either in teaching or involved yeah. in some ways. Um and so no, I know obviously, you know, Jack is as well and things. So it's, it's one of those elements where there are certain classes which are like health and social care where they're trying to get into the minutiae of mental illness and stuff, but it's still not quite enough. Like when I was, when I was 19, I, I started 
writing a book before I um, did podcasting, because obviously when you're 19, you know everything. So when yeah. I was 19, I thought, you know, what we need is a guide to life in a sense. It, I think it was after my dad passed away. It was when he was terminally ill. So it was around that sort of time, me trying to cope with it in some way. And I was thinking people need some guide, even if I don't have the answers. And so I, I did start writing pages on a word document somewhere, but I abandoned that and did a podcast instead. Um, but it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just like, you're never told how to do stuff until humans are very good at not acknowledging a problem until something majorly Ooh. bad happens. And a really Ooh. good example for this is speed cameras in the UK. They don't put speed cameras in places until after there's a really bad accident. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, wow, that bend there looks quite dangerous. Should we put something there to prevent anything bad happening? Like, no, we've only got a certain amount of money. We'll store something there if something bad happens. And it's kind of like that in certain ways where, like, I think from what I'm um, interpreting from you is, like, maybe people should go to therapy before there's an incident rather yes. than waiting to an incident and then going to therapy to almost repair the damage caused. If you went beforehand, you could have mitigated this incident to yes. have something that's not quite as serious. Absolutely. Yes. Well done. You, you said that very succinctly. No <laughs> offence for you um, compared to my rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's normally when people speak about things, I generally try and in my mind, I normally have to say back either a metaphor or an interpretation, uh, just how I translate things. Like I'll hear a thousand words and I'll, I've got a fairly good memory, but the way I describe my memory is it's like a, an atrium full of post-it notes. There's just everywhere there's a section of star wars and the post-it notes just come out of the wall by like meters and meters and meters but every little subject about anything and every person has got their own little post-it note and some people have got more post-it notes or less and it's just and i say an atrium that's probably you know smaller than it maybe is in my own brain but this just giant area of post-it notes so i'm just like how will i get everything that this person is saying onto almost like a tweet <laughs> in a, although i don't like twitter <laughs> to be honest with you, you need to work in comms honestly i think you've cracked communications mm. like people so in my work people send me this random shit so they'll be like oh i've worked on this thing it's a new process of doing stuff and i'll send you like they'll either send you nothing or they'll send you like this 50 page document that you've like never seen before and be like oh can you just do a press release <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is this? And you have to sit and you have to read there, read it and you highlight it. And, and like my biggest test of comms is if I as a comms professional can't understand what it's saying, then the people we're communicating out to won't be able to understand it either. And like mostly you do want a post-it note. You want something to fit on post-it note because that's all people read. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm terrible for it as well. I I, I read The Guardian um, and I go on there and I'll read the ones that take my interest um, but I won't read the whole article because we know people don't. And like that's why I structure press releases in the way I structure press releases, because people don't read to the end of the press release. It's the bit that nobody gives a shit about we put at the end. Um, and you, so you put all the important information first. And I think so I think you've just cracked it. So basically now at work tomorrow, somebody's going to ask me to do something. And I'm just going to be like, right, what can I get on a post-it note? That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> wonderful well there you go i've revolutionized the communication industry <laughs> one podcast at a time i knew the guide to life that's it i just there's i, I say the thing is is that my brain does things as a post-it note but my v when i verbalize things they do not come out that way they come in a stream of verbally waterboarding people uh because i'm a lot of the time it's because i'm trying to get my point across 
while trying to make sure they don't misinterpret what I'm saying before I get to the end of the sentence, while simultaneously thinking normally about two other things, and often one of those things is the next thing I'm going to be talking about. So it's normally kind of like a static buzz in my brain a lot of the time, uh, so which is why I normally ramble and stuff as well. And, you know, I, I never want people to misinterpret what I say. And when people Ooh. don't interrupt me, like I'm used to being interrupted a lot uh, by my friends, sometimes necessarily it needs to happen. But like sometimes I'll... It used to happen in relationships a lot more, and it happens a little bit now, but it was like, I'll, I'll start a sentence, and someone will cut me off halfway through the sentence to argue with me when the second half of the sentence c- completely changes the meaning mm. of what I'm saying. Mm. So I'll say something, and then someone will argue with me on a point, and I'm like, that's not the point I'm making. And then I have to argue against something that I'm not yeah. even, about a point I'm not making. And that's kind of given me a little bit of a complex of being like, okay, if I start the thing with five minutes of preamble clarifying i'm not saying this thing before i say the thing then it won't be misinterpreted but then people interrupt me before i even get to anything so it's not perfect (laughs) just like i did then (laughs) so i once had a conversation very similar about that uh like that about porn Mm. so porn in general i don't think is a bad thing Mm. however i think the way that porn is at the moment and how women are represented in porn and how women are treated in porn is very, very bad. And I think it's a dangerous precedent for young people coming in who are being introduced to sex via porn. And I think it means young men and young women think there are certain ways to act when you are having sex. And therefore, I don't think porn should be banned, but I think we should have better sex education in the UK to teach young people and fuck it, older people, (laughs) what healthy sexual relationships look like. and so this is like, I, this was years and years ago, obviously massively drunk, trying to talk about it. And so my friend turned around and said, you sound like a massive Tory. Now, if you want to piss me off, <laughs> call me a fucking Tory, because look, I have some friends who are, I would say, Tories, but in the middle, and that's fine. We're not going to politically agree on these things, but overall, you're decent people. You're not fucking scumbags. Um, God. <laughs> This is going to get myself in lots of trouble now. And so like, I immediately was on the defensive and, was, and so then doubled down without getting my proper point across and then had to circle back. But this is like 45 minutes later to circling back saying, I don't think porn is bad because fundamentally I don't. I think people should be allowed to enjoy sexual things. Um, but by the time we got back around, all of that had got lost. Mm-hmm. So the whole, all we took away from the conversation was I was angry that somebody had called me a Tory or that I was censoring people. Um, and all my friend got away was that, got off from the conversation was that I think porn is bad. And I was like, we both fundamentally don't think those things. But because I was interrupted halfway through and the other person wasn't listening and then in turn I stopped listening. I mean, we ended up in a wine bar having a really loud conversation. <laughs> argument about porn and saying porn's bad and it's like it is that sort of it's that I think we as people are too too quick to jump in and say it's exactly going back to looping back to what you were saying is it's that not listening we're too busy waiting for our turn to speak than to listen Mm -hmm. and therefore and that's the biggest problem with social media at the moment right nobody's listening Everybody's just shouting into a void and everybody just wants to be heard because they've given a platform to be heard and nobody's stopping and listen, stopping and listening 
and therefore none of us can get on. Mm-hmm. That's why there's such a big divide. This is not some like massive political revelation. I know that. I know lots of people <laughs> are talking about this. Uh, you know, so like book me for your TED Talks. Um, <laughs> but weirdly, I'm going to loop it around to something else. That is why I think finding safe spaces on social media or with your friends to talk about things is really important. So, for example, when I started um, like being part of the Comics in Motion family, I was really, really nervous about being back online. I'd gone offline for quite a long time because a couple of friends who um, I was close with had been harassed online and stuff like that. And I'm quite outspoken in, about feminism and equality and uh, intersectionality and all of these sort of things. And I think it's all really important. And I was like, I'm just not going to expose myself to that because I don't have the capacity. You know, I want to enjoy life. And it's really scary coming back on and like sharing Jack's um, reviews and his podcast. I mean, although I did that because I'm so incredibly proud of him that I'm just like, yes, I want to share it all. But, you know, at the same time, do I need to protect myself? But actually being more involved in it and sort of like being in the chats with all of you guys, I actually feel quite protected because I feel like comics and motions are really safe space because it's really good people like genuine it's so mad I feel like since January when Jack started doing it all my brother started doing it all I feel like I've just found like this amazing group of people and even though I've never met any of you in real life or actually spoken to any of you properly I feel like you're my friends and I feel like I'm really safe and I feel like you're all really special and that's transformed social media for me so it's you it's you guys and also the podcast buffering vampire layout which is just amazing um they have an amazing community around them and they're like the sole reason I'm still on Facebook well that and for restaurant recommendations in my local area but um, but because they're so supportive and I've learned so much from them and you can come along with a question about something that might be considered you know a tricky conversation and they treat you with kindness and they treat you with respect but they expect you to go off and do learning mm. So there's lots of conversations about race and gender and all of those sort of things. And people provide you with those inform- that information. But you, as an individual, it's on the onus on you to do that learning. It's not for them to teach you. And I've never met two communities like that online at all. And I think that's so special. And I can't remember what my original point was. But there you go. Right from the Vampire Slayer community and Comics in Motion, fucking special people. <laughs> well, thank you, because I'm obviously a part of one of those communities. Um, <laughs> Apart from you, because yeah. remember, you are you are mediocre. That is true. I am I am a mediocre man, so I can only fall upwards. Um, I'm going to have that on a T-shirt. I'm quoted Rhea. Oh, should um, we make some T-shirts? That I mean, sounds I've been fun. thinking about making T-shirts for genuine chit-chat for about a, since probably I started, which is four and a bit years ago now uh, i've got the graphic design savvy it is more just trying to or it, you can either do one of two things you can either do it where you get a company who prints uh on demand but it costs like yeah. 25 30 plus pound per t-shirt and you can't always yeah. confirm the quality and it, also because half my listeners are in the uk and half are in the us or more so 40 percent are in each of those places and the other 20 percent are ethereal around the world it's like, well, you have to really have two distribution places. Or you can print off, you know, 100 genuine chit-chat t-shirts for, you know, five, well, no, probably about a grand, and then sell them for less. But you have to sell, like, 30 or 40 to be able to make yeah. your money back. And so I'm just like, because of these hurdles, I'm just like, I'll do it at some point. 
and it keeps not happening. And COVID kind of gave me the excuse to not do it because everyone's podcast numbers just dropped hugely. So I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, my numbers are getting up there. Maybe I should do some merch. Oh, no. Okay, cool. I don't have to worry about that for a little <laughs> while. Sweet. Um, with the community thing, I mean, I, I obviously when I was one, me and Tony, I think, were two of the first people. Me, Tony and Max, I think, were the first people to get in on the Comics in Motion thing. Uh, I can't remember when Discord started. I think we were all in a Twitter chat initially, and it was a mess because yeah, it was like... Oh, it was just one person say, oh, can we share this thing? Yeah. Oh, this thing's really cool. And then eventually after, you know, five minutes has gone forever. So I think Dave, if I'm giving the credit to the wrong person, I'm sorry. But I, th- I think it was Dave, it might have been Tony, who said, why don't we do a Discord? And so the Discord got started and it's amazing. Like, especially through lockdown and stuff, it was really cool. Mm. And I think one of the, the best things about all the guys in Comics in Motion is that we know... We know when to joke and banter and give each other shit in the right ways. You know, I'm the Star Wars guy, so I always get shit about Star Wars. And that's fine because they know that I'm okay with that. But although I would be fine with this, no one's making like dead dad jokes. Mm-hmm. It's because they're respectful and they know, they try to get to know each other as individuals and kind of know where the lines are in certain ways. But that's why, you know, Comics on Trial got started was because it was like not enough people in nerd cultural fandoms are being able to have arguments that remain civil. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty Absolutely. of us disagree on loads of things. I disagree with my all my best friends on almost everything, you know, um, aside from how you treat people generally. But it's like, <laughs> you know, m- most of my friends, a lot of them are not fussed about Star Wars at all. They don't give a I mean, fuck, you know. So they're wrong, but, fine. you know. You know, you like what you like. Yeah, fine. you like what you like. I can't tell you wrong. I think you are quietly to myself, but <laughs> you know. But with it, it's it's one of those things where even if we have debates about music or um, movies or anything like that, it's still one of those things where if you are still respectful, you you have to have the two kind of sides to it. You have to be respectful as a person and not do like personal attacks. You know, don't call someone, you know, a fucking moron if they do or do not like something unless Mm -hmm. you're obviously really doing it in jest and they have to know that but on the same side you have to also know that when you're speaking to another person about these things you have to know that they're not taking it to heart as in and i think people especially when politics get involved um especially religious beliefs and things which i'm an atheist or an agnostic depending what day you get me on um but i don't believe in a god (laughs) or deity or anything um but you know because of that none a lot of my beliefs aren't intertwined with my personality or my being. And mm-hmm. because of that, it means that if someone does critique Star Wars or movies or something like that, I don't take it personally. Yeah. But some people find it, and there's certain things that are closer to home than others, but some people can't uh, differentiate for themselves between something they like and a belief that they hold and is a part of them as a being. So if you criticize them about anything that they hold dear, they feel like you're personally attacking them when you're not, but then they get all defensive and then you're like, I wasn't doing that. What you, you're an idiot for thinking that. And then you're then inadvertently on the attack. They're on the defense and it becomes a, becomes a mess really. So I think the guys in comics emotion and you fit in perfectly well with this are just, just no, be respectful know the lines in a sense and just know that even if someone disagrees they're not attacking your character yeah totally. it's the intent isn't it and mm. i think intent's really important i learned that from kat and moran uh we went to do we went to an event that she did and she was talking um about many things but you know about you know in when you're saying something it's all about what's behind it and what you're intending to get across and sometimes that might go wrong and that's okay. But if somebody tells you that they've 
taken offense to it or you've said it wrong you have to be humble enough to go okay I'm sorry learning experience let's move on but you also allowed to say that wasn't my intention and not in a I refuse to apologize type of way but as in that wasn't my intention but what I'm going to reflect on what you've said and next time I talk about it I'll talk about it differently or if just somebody says that upsets me you just go I'm sorry that that upset you I won't do it again it's not that fucking hard it really isn't well that's not true because if you'd said that to me in my early 20s where I was very annoying and loud and I held very strong beliefs and think beliefs in things and I still do that I would immediately go on the defensive Mm -hmm. but the biggest thing that I've learned and actually Kevin says I've taught him about is that it's okay to be wrong. Mm. And if somebody or somebody says they don't like it, that's okay. It's not an personal attack back on you. And it's really hard to not think that it is. It's really hard to not take it personally. And I still slip and do it sometimes, but mostly no, you know, nobody's actually really thinking about you, the other person. They're thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to remember as well. Like we're all just we're all just human beings, aren't we? We've all got flaws. We all get silly about things. Like Oh, oh, I'm trying to think of something that I get wound up about. I don't know. I probably get wound up about loads of things. Being called a Tory? Um, oh, yeah. Fuck that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fucking Tory. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> oh, God. You know, I'm like, oh, I found a really safe space online now. This is when, like, it just it goes bad. Um, I will just block people, uh, which I've never had to do. I have to do that at work. And it's very satisfying blocking people. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the work stuff because it's very complicated, but there are times when it is like, you are just trash and I don't have time for it. So I have tolerance up to a level and I'll just be like, just fuck off. I've got no time for it. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for listening, guys. As I said in the intro, part two will be out next week on this feed at the usual time. But if you don't want to wait, and if you're willing to contribute one pound a month or more financially to the show, go over to patreon.com slash genuine chitschat. You'll get access to this full conversation in one unsplit episode. And episodes like this always drop when part one drops on this normal feed. And you get access to an audio feed, which has that as well as lots of other bonus content on as well. So links to the Patreon are in the description. So coming up in part two, as I said in the intro, the conversation goes here, there and everywhere. So there's a lot of different things we talk about. Uh, in part two, our randomness continues. We speak about relationships, uh, Rhea's upcoming show called Femme on Film. And then we also delve into some of Rhea's questions from her website, including favorite ice, what we'd be the god of, uh, bubble tea also gets mentioned, as do penises and sex scenes, and even Jeff Goldblum. So uh, loads of stuff to get your teeth into. It's lots and lots of fun. So make sure you tune in for that next week or check out the Patreon. Aside from that, guys, I want to flag up, you know, make sure you check out my conversation with Alex and Molly of Star Wars Explained. That is on YouTube and the full video version is up for that. And in addition to that, check out my Star Wars podcast. If you've never read a Star Wars comic in your life or you read every Star Wars comic in your life, um, or even if you don't really have interest in the Star Wars comics, I would recommend checking out my show. Obviously, I'm slightly biased, but I basically go through the plot lines so you don't need to read any comics at all to enjoy the show. I go through the plot, explain certain elements of it and talk about the many connections and you will learn a lot of cool things about Star Wars trivia facts as well as you know species and information about planets and things you know when you read something and you go oh i vaguely recognize that thing well i'm the guy who tells you what that thing you recognize is now that's on the feed of comics in motion but also i upload the episodes to youtube as well including certain video versions of episodes and when part two of this episode drops i will be releasing the full video version onto youtube as well so lots of different cool things 
Aside from that, guys, just make sure you check out the show notes. I always keep them nice and up to date and very chunky with information on the Star Wars show, last week's episode, Patreon, promos if I have them in, information from the guest, and also I have the guest spots that I am involved with as well, which recently has been Mouse, Have Not Seen This, and Star Wars Timeline. So make sure you look into those things. And uh, if you can, review on whatever you check out this podcast, be it Podmatch or uh, on Apple Podcasts or anywhere like that. And also share with your friends, tell everyone about it that you know, and, you know, we'll spread the word and I'll get even cooler guests. I mean, there's not many cooler than Rhea, but still, I'll still get loads of cool guests anyway. But um, yeah, aside from that, guys, that's going to be it. So I uh, appreciate you guys listening. I thank you very much, especially listening all the way to the very end. I love each and every one of you. And uh, I'll talk to you next week with part two. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast. Mike Burton.